Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Wednesday evening where we continue our reflections into Paul's first letter to the to the Corinthians. We are in chapter 7. We are knee-deep in chapter 7, a chapter that has had us reflecting into all things concerning marriage, really. Not only marriage, but the lot of life that God has given you, <laughs> the place where you are now at this very moment. This is what Paul wants to talk about, okay? Now, within chapter 7, as I noted yesterday, Paul also emphasizes this need to be celibate for the kingdom of God. Why? Well, what did we say yesterday? If you are married, can you be about God's affairs all the time? Okay, he kind of juxtaposes, well, you can be about God, but at the same time, you have to be present to your wife. And being present to your wife, yes, is about is being about God, but can you devote yourself to all people all the time? Not necessarily. That's not what the sacramental vocation of marriage is all about. So he talks about the importance of celibacy. He talks about the importance of religious. And really, that is where I want to start, because out from my discussion yesterday, I was made to go back into a number of books, and I came across some statistics that could highlight and really accentuate our discussion from yesterday. And this comes to us from Thomas Wood's work, How the Catholic Church Built Western Civilization. And this is what Thomas Woods has to say, and he's reflecting here on the achievements of the Benedictines. He says this, Mere statistics can hardly do justice to the Benedictine achievement, but by the beginning of the 14th century, the order had supplied the church with 24 popes, 200 cardinals, 7,000 archbishops, 15,000 bishops, and 1,500 canonized saints. At its height, the Benedictine order could boast, and if I was in a classroom right now, I would ask you to raise your hand to get a sense of how many monasteries you think. <laughs> I have Debbie Rizals in studio, by the way, with me, and so I'm going to ask her, how many monasteries, Debbie? Oh my goodness, <laughs> I don't know. 37,000 monasteries. Oh my word. Wow. 37,000 <laughs> monasteries. And as Thomas Woods continues... And it was not merely their influence within the church to which the statistics point, and this really gets into what I was saying yesterday, so exalted had the monastic ideal become throughout society that by the 14th century, the order had already enrolled some 20 emperors, 10 empresses, 47 kings, and 50 queens. Wow. That's extraordinary. Extraordinary. <laughs> so again, this is all the outgrowth of men and women who lived for God in that celibate mm -hmm. life, in that virginal life that we talked about yesterday. So with that, Debbie, I do welcome you uh, <laughs> more hi, formally in, into the studio this evening. Debbie, as we were talking before, one of Paul's focuses certainly 
was about the importance of how celibacy is a positive approach for the kingdom of God and how we need to appreciate this for what it is mm-hmm. and just be real about it. Right. Right. Be real about it. Because... I mean, look how fruitful it was. Yes. Yes. Goodness gracious. That's one order. <laughs> and, that's the thing. and that's not in the new world. Oh, by the way. Yes, that's right. I mean, right? let's look at the landmass there. It's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. Yeah. This again, I'm glad you said just one religious order. I mean, when you start talking about what the Franciscans, Franciscans have accomplished mm-hmm. here in the state of California, we could be here all evening yes. talking about this. Um, but anyhow, I think our listening audience gets the point. Something else, Debbie, that uh, I talked about earlier this week was the importance of spiritual direction mm. and why we all need a spiritual director because we all have blind spots. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, we all have blind spots. We could be living a holy life, be in a car driving down the road, and and we might not know that the back right light is out. Mm-hmm. We need someone to tell us right. that the back right light is out because somewhere along the road, literally speaking, it's going to come back to bite us. And so in the spiritual life, there are lights that are out. And so we need illumination. And part of that illumination is going to come from a spiritual director, a spiritual director who is helping us along the spiritual path. Now, in talking about it, I really didn't get into the importance of keeping what you say to a spiritual director, just not in confidence, but keeping it in integrity. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean, Debbie, you don't go around telling all your friends what you tell your spiritual director. Less is more. Right. Right. Because now suddenly you're bound to keep tabs on five, six, seven, eight different conversations with eight different people. Mm-hmm. And when it concerns matters that are typical of spiritual direction, that's never going to bode well. Right. Uh, and I know people have, who have found themselves in that trap, I being one, mm-hmm. about 15 years ago. Sure. It just makes life so much easier. Right. It makes right. life so much easier. And by that, I mean it simplifies life. Right. It simplifies life. I, um, I know I wouldn't be here <laughs> in uh, being here with you even, I think, without my spiritual director, Father Paul. He's a little cloistered monk with the new Clairvaux here in Vina. Um, the wisdom and the simplicity with which he... Um, imparts the spiritual life and faith in general has been an incredible gift, Mm. an incredible gift. And I want to reiterate, you know, if someone um, says to me, well, you know, my spiritual director told me, I'll I'll go, are you sure you want to share that? Mm -hmm. Be careful, be careful, because you're now opening your, I'm not the only ears listening. Yes, yes, Um, yes. And you want to be careful. You want to be careful. You want to guard your soul. You want to guard that wisdom that you receive in spiritual direction, that it may bear the fruit that God has for you. Yeah. And what can happen in that moment when you start sharing with other people what typically fits in the realm of spiritual direction is that uh, Satan then sets a trap. Mm -hmm. Yes, he does. (laughs) Because earlier when I was saying you're bound to these people, you feel like you need to treat them as your spiritual directors, mm-hmm. although you, you play this game in your mind, well, they're not my spiritual director, but in reality, what you find yourself doing is going to them. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, what ha- ends up happening is you're now seeking their approval. Sure. As opposed to allowing what 
again, is true to spiritual direction and its inherent challenge to bear the fruitfulness that it right. should. Yes, that should be taken to prayer quietly and, and confidentially and let God and the Holy Spirit work on you. That's right. That's right. Less is more. I mean, mm-hmm. We could never reinforce that enough. All right. As it relates to chapter 7, Debbie, I have gotten up to verse 24. Mm-hmm. So in chapter 7, verses 1 to 24, and I also touched upon again verses 32 to 35, as it relates to verses 1 to 24, there is a lot there. And I did talk about a lot, but mm-hmm. this is where I did want to bring you in because there are a number of pieces that I talked about that really a monologue does not give it justice. <laughs> <laughs> if I've said it once, I've said it many times that people are more interested in dialogues than monologues. And in that, there are some pieces here that you have specifically dealt with, encountered, mm-hmm. um, living, that I thought our listening audience can benefit from. And that is this call we have Mm. to pray for a spouse Mm. in a marriage that is not of the same cult, not of the same worship, not of the same tradition, Uh if you will. And then secondly, Debbie, is embracing the life that has been assigned to you, Uh right? Embracing the sacramental vocation that you have been entrusted with and Mm -hmm. giving glory to God in doing so. So, I don't know, maybe we start with the first one, praying sure. for our sure. spouse and what that looks like. Because as I was talking about it yesterday, I was thinking to myself, I wish Debbie was here because <laughs> there are things I wanted to bounce off of you. But anyhow. Yeah, but I was at work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this call we have, this call to say, hey, you know what? Yeah, we need to pray for our spouses mm-hmm. and be mindful that this is a vocation that God is calling you to go deeper into so as to better discover who you are. Sure. Right? If there's anything that we have learned from the saints, especially those saints who have been married and married with someone who is from another faith tradition, is Mm -hmm. that in the prayer itself, they were made to go deeper and deeper and deeper into the heart of God. And as, as the saints bear testimony, if it wasn't for their spouse who was from another faith tradition they would not have gone as deep as they did. Right. right? Oh, yeah. And that's how God uses that moment. Mm -hmm. Sure. Because he uses all things at his disposal. Well, it's interesting because uh, we just celebrated the Feast of St. Joseph on Monday. Amen. And St. Joseph had a great influence on my discernment. So um, my mother, in her wisdom, uh, when I was 18, said, you know, uh, you need to start praying and discerning your vocation. And I, I pretty much always knew I wanted to be a wife and a mom. Not everybody kind of knows that going in, but I, I figured that's where my vocation was to be. But I began the novena to St. Joseph. And my mom said, you know, write down a list of the virtues and the qualities you want in a husband. Hmm. And so I made this little list, you hmm. know, in my 18-year-old <laughs> naivete. Yeah, yeah. And I began praying this novena to St. Joseph. And I actually uh, met my husband in church. He was um, newly to our area. Uh, They're a family of 10 children. Hmm. Um, So they were hard to miss. They took up an entire pew, Uh as you know, whole crafts. (laughs) And I remember my sister saying to me, you're going to marry one of those boys someday. <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh, you are crazy. What do you mean I'm going to marry one of those boys someday? Didn't even know these people. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was very providential because I did marry one of those boys. I uh, 
married Steve Rosales um, maybe six months after I met him. It was a very uh, quick and whirlwindy kind of thing. God, in his great mercy, brought together two very different people. Uh, Steve was Hispanic, came from a very kind of um, habitual Catholic family. They just kind of, He had no idea why they did anything. Yeah, yeah. Nominally Catholic. Fell away. He wasn't really practicing when we met. I mean, yes, but no. So the discernment of, uh, of, of a spouse, that, that beginning time, telling the Lord what you want. And, and you know, I thought, <laughs> I thought, well, gosh, I had my list, and I'm sure that God just fulfilled everything on that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on that list. <laughs> and boy, what an expectation to put on a, another human being. Oh, goodness. You know, yeah. marriage is a hard thing. And we went through many, many tough times. Um, so it was 12, 15 years later that I had a, uh, a Pentecost experience. And mm. I had a Sunday go to meeting with Jesus yeah, in a big yeah, way. Yeah, Came home a different person, which threatened my dear husband. But God in his mercy, through, I think, my zeal... <laughs> And the Holy Spirit, Steve was drawn. He said, you are different. Mm. You are very different. Mm. And over a number of years, uh, opened his heart to receive Christ uh, in a new way. And it became like um, like a born-again marriage. Yeah, it's the yeah, only yeah, way I could yeah. say that, it. That, it that's, was, a, that's a great phrase. Yeah. That's a great phrase. And that man that I had, those virtues I had listed, began to appear. Mm. But it's a process, folks. And I know I remember I, I had a, a rosary group in my home and when Steve and I were having a really tough time. And the group of ladies, we were all moms, and we were praying the rosary, and I got the inspiration for each of us to choose another's husband's name and to pray and intercede for their family. I like that. And that day as each of us would lead a decade of the rosary, our rosary broke. It happened in, in every mystery. So as I'm praying for Glenn, let's say, sure. the next person's praying for Rick, the next person's pray, praying for Steve, that wife, her rosary would break. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Each of those men came to Christ mm. as we prayed, because that was the point of that rosary group, is that yeah. our... Our husbands would come to Christ in a new way, and our families would be healed. I don't think that that prayer is ever fully realized here on earth, but I have great faith that it's going to be fulfilled. So I was married 25 years to a wonderful man. Mm. And as you guys know, he was killed suddenly in a car accident, and it'll be 11, it was 11 years. So now God gives me a new gift. He gave me the gift of marriage, and then he gave me the gift of celibacy. Mm. Now, you say gift, Debbie. I'm sure it's really hard for people mm. to hear that word yeah. within the same context as tragic accident. Mm -hmm. You know, I have, if we're going to be real here, and I know we were talking about this last night, and I was reflecting into that this morning, how difficult that is to hear, yet and at the same time, how much of a challenge uh, that is be forced to embrace that truth. Essentially, where you find yourself today is, in point of fact, a gift, mm -hmm. a gift from God, because why it happened. And there's 
so much right. mystery, as oh, you yeah. know, sure. <laughs> that encircles what is before you. And yet, in faithfulness, in faithfulness, we can say it is a gift because in faith, all is a gift. Yes. Right? Because faith itself, before it is anything else, is a gift. As I was driving over here, I was thinking to myself, you know, we really have to emphasize the importance of entering into the meaning of that one word, mm. gift. Yeah. And why it's a gift. Mm-hmm. Well, because it's calling you to go deeper. Yes. And you used the word mercy earlier. It is an act of God's mercy if we are going deeper in him, because mm-hmm. in the end, this is about salvation, right? Right. This is about salvation and by the grace of God, mm-hmm. right? We hope and pray Steve is, is sharing in, in his heavenly reward, right? Right. And all those who are close to us sharing in that heavenly reward. And so we ask the question, okay, Lord, how is this moment, mm-hmm. this very shrouded in mystery moment mm-hmm. calling me deeper into what is that passage from Philippians 2.12? You were called to work out your salvation in fear and trembling. Mm-hmm. So that moment that's calling you deeper in that fear and trembling as sure. we're working out our salvation. Oh, uh, boy, lots of fear and trembling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyways, I, I wanted to interject that because yes, thank you. certainly as I get questions I can almost anticipate sure. certain questions, <laughs> you know. Hey, wait what a second. What did she mean? What exactly? But go ahead, continue. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I say gift in the most um, in the, in its most profound way because if you believe that God is good and that He wills only what is good for your soul, then you know that everything that is given to you is given as gift. Mm-hmm. He can't will anything else but goodness because he's absolute goodness, right? Absolutely. He <laughs> yeah. can't will something beyond his nature. So, But that took some coming to. Mm-hmm. It did take of some course. coming to. And um, it was a, a, a difficult process uh, sometimes. I love, I love uh, Paul's Romans 12 when he said that we are to glorify God in our bodies. And I think this... This life that I am journeying now is um, is really that scripture lived. Mm-hmm. Um, he's asking me to glorify him in a way that I have not done in a long, long while. Yes, yes. And, and the great fruit that has occurred. You know, I, I'm reminded you, you, you said someone who's not married is about the, the things of the Lord. And I was just... Thinking the other day, you know, people are always going, oh my gosh, Deb, when do you have time for yourself? And I thought, since when is that important? Yeah. Honestly, I did. Yeah. And, and I thought, I, I, I'm busy, but it's a, it's a good thing. I mean, it's a good thing. And um, after I had my Pentecost experience, and maybe some of you have experienced this, you, you, you're so on fire for God. You just want to go out there and you want to change the world. Mm-hmm. I was married with four children. I wanted to go to every prayer group, rosary group. Mm. I wanted to be in confession all the time. I was at the church all the time. Yes. Mm. <clears throat> yeah. And my children were home with my husband resenting me. Yes. yes. Where's mom? Yeah. Where's mom? Where's mom? Where's mom? Yeah. Mom was missing. Yeah. So the Lord had to take me to task at that. Woman, I know you want to be here with me. Mm-hmm. Your vocation is a wife and mother. Go home and glorify me in your home. 
that was the best advice I had gotten at that point. Yeah, and it's the advice Paul gives us in verses, what, 17 and 24 in chapter 7. Only let everyone lead the life which the Lord has assigned to him mm-hmm. and in which God has called him. Right. Right? This is my rule in all the churches. You know, I, I love that verse. And then verse 24, so brethren, in whatever state each was called, there let him remain with God. Mm-hmm. Remain with God. Again, going deeper. Yeah, yeah. I, somehow, I, you know, I was thinking, I have, to be, I have to be over at the tabernacle. I have to be with Jesus. I have to be with people who pray like me and think like me. And he's like, no, that's easy. How yeah. easy is it to love people who are easy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or how hard is it to, you know? Yes. And he was calling me to those teenagers who were, you know, teenagers and, yes. and little kids who were screaming and crying and a husband who needed me. That was hard. It was harder there, yeah. and but that's where the rubber hits the road. Mm-hmm. If you can't uh, bring Christ to your home and and do your best at at that, um, then He's not going to take you to the next until you get that part. <laughs> he's not going to. So the desire of my heart was to, was to serve God. Yeah, and I could not do that fully in the married life. Yeah, not that He killed Steve so that I could not. Yeah, I'm not no, saying that sure, at all. Sure. Not at all. I'm saying that um, I feel eternally blessed uh, with my state of life. Mm -hmm. I don't resent him. I've never been angry. And that was a gift. That was a gift from him. And the fruit of it has been time with God, going deeper, glorifying him in a very broken way. Yeah. And you're a grandmother, I am right, a so there's this other dimension to your life, but it's another dimension in your life within the stream of your life that God has called you. Something that you weren't called to 20 years ago, nope. 10 years ago, but mm-hmm. today is different than yesterday, right? And so, when Paul says what he says in verses 17 to 24, uh, really it's about embracing the moment mm-hmm. that moment that is before you, yeah. what Benedict XVI liked to call the eternal now. You know, we go to Mass so as to be formed in the eternal now so that the now might become eternally good. Right. And so in that moment, what we discover is the beauty of what Paul is after, what Paul is trying to tell us. Embrace the moment for what it is versus what it is not, because otherwise the moment will not be what it was intended to be and will lead to chaos and dysfunction versus beauty and order. Mm -hmm. And the quicker you do that, by God's grace, the more peaceful your life will be. Yes. You know, yes. you can kick against the goat. <laughs> yes, yes. And, or you can really trust that God's got a plan. Yes. Um, and that it is uh, for your eternal salvation. And um, that doesn't mean that you aren't afraid sometimes. That doesn't mean that you don't battle with loneliness, that you don't um, get barraged by temptation. Yes, to all those very much so. I fall, I fall all the time, all of the time. And, um, but what, what it has done is helped, um, stretch me beyond my capacity. Sometimes learning self-control, training Mm. my passions, depending on God alone, increasing my prayer life, a heightened awareness of my, of my conscience and, um, and, and clearer discernment. I mean, the fruits are don't fight against it, folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
you know, trying to set those anxieties aside mm-hmm. about unchangeable circumstances. Yes. Things that are outside of your control. Right. You know, you had mentioned earlier that your life is, is not your own. And at the mm-hmm. end of First Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20, we read this. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God? Your body, yeah. my body, belongs to God. Absolutely. To God alone. And then he says, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. I love those it's, verses. I do too. They're I love some those of my verses favorite. Because it reemphasizes our anthropology. Mm-hmm. Who we are is created in the image and likeness of God. And that rightfully, yes, God is the author of our life. He is the author of all created things. Yep. Body, soul, it all belongs to God. So then the question is, how do we give it back to God, which you were just speaking to, so that it might give glory to him? Right. It was very different when you were married. Very. Right. And as a married man, yeah, my life right now looks very different than it did 13, 14 yeah. years ago. Sure. And it may look different down the road. Right. But down the road, I'll cross that bridge when I, I get there. And right? you'll have the grace to do it. Yes. Right. Amen. And that's, again, about being present to the moment, mm-hmm. Debbie. When Paul says, now concerning these matters, he's speaking to very specific questions, mm-hmm. meeting people where they are at, very specific Corinthians, if you will. And by the grace of God and the gift of the Holy Spirit, God is walking with them as they are. Mm-hmm. And, and as God is doing that, I think not only 2,000 years ago, but today, we realize the beauty of the vocation that God has called us to. I had received a question maybe about three weeks ago. I was given a talk somewhere, Debbie. This gal was in her mid-70s, and she said, you know, Joe, I heard your talk and, and your call to love and it was so easy for me when I had children and, and grandchildren. Now it's, for whatever reason, been more difficult with my great-grandchildren. And I said, okay, you know, tell me more about that. And she did. And it had a lot to do with the fact that she just couldn't physically do certain things. Mm. And we talked about Paul's words. Mm-hmm. You know, so here her vocation mm. went through this evolution. Yeah. And in that evolution, she was made to discover something about herself, more specifically things that she was attached to, sure, right? And that's what was at the heart of it. Mm-hmm. And after a 30-minute discussion, we were able to see that. And, and I share that because we are all in different walks. Yeah. We're all in different Praise states. Praise God. Yeah, Paul was as speaking he, to as very... As he wants. <laughs> yes, yes. Paul was speaking to very specific things, to very specific people. But as the Holy Spirit always works, you know, the inspired Word of God transcends time. And so we apply these truths to our life so as to appreciate, yeah, you know what? The things we go through today, they were going through 2,000 years ago, mm-hmm. especially, especially in the Church of Corinth. There's a yes. lot of similarities as, yes. as we have explored and talked about. But anyhow, Debbie, I don't know if you have any closing thoughts or words to this evening. Thy will be done, Lord. Just, mm. just pray that prayer, and mm. he will be with you. Thy will be done, the most powerful four-word prayer <laughs> that we could ever possibly pray. All right. With that, let us close with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, 
now and at the hour of our death. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.